Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA, or I'll be your host for the next hour. Lots of entertaining news, insights, opinions, always opinions. We know, we know about opinions. I won't go into detail, but I have a few. I've got some local news, I got some state news, I got some national news, I got some world news all related to business, and then I've got some helpful hints towards the end of the show. I think you find should find them helpful if if you do uh, I feel like I've accomplished something because when I get something that's helpful to me, I like to share it and I like to teach people things that I do and hopefully they can get some benefits too. That's that's the whole idea. Share and teach and by teaching you learn and by learning you teach. That's sort of the, the theory anyway. So business buzz. Let's see. We've got it's it's toward the end of June now. So the summer's actually officially here. I know the weather was super hot. I had to be away and I just got back into town today. The weather has been super hot today, isn't quite so bad, but it's still nice and sunny, so it's a another nice Chico summer day, I can say, now that it's past the start of the summer. Hope everybody's enjoying a good summer. Hope you're having a nice one. So, my first local n- business news item, and somebody's already told me about this because they have a relative who works at Lulu's. And it's the new Lulu's store. I guess it opened about a week ago. And I think it's kind of interesting because it's an outlet. It's only open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And nearly every item is in bins. And rifling through is the required shopping process. And prices, topping the differences are the prices. Formals are $20. Everything else, unless marked, is $15. Quote, you'll find $200 dresses here for $15, is what the CEO said. And it's, they say it's their way of giving back to the locals, which is cool. I don't really shop Lulu's. I have a feeling it's mainly w- women's clothes, but I'll have to look that up. i got to admit, I don't really know. And the outlet is where the former trucker men's store was, so I know where that is. That's there on Broadway between... Third and fourth? Yeah. Broadway between third and fourth, I'm pretty sure. It is a pretty exciting thing to have a large internet retailer turn into a discount outlet store where you can go through bins and pay no no more than $20 per item. I'm sure they're going to do well. I'm guessing outlet means they're just selling overstock things that they really don't have time or can't sell online in a big way, so they'll just kind of liquidate it in an outlet. I remember the first outlet I shopped at, it wasn't those outlet malls like the one in Red Bluff or on the way to Redding, Cottonwood, wherever that one is. I remember a Nordstrom outlet in Sacramento, and it had some pretty good items. And, you know, Nordstrom started as a shoe store way back in the early days in Washington. So they've always been kind of big on shoes. And I remember 
I picked up a pair of work shoes, like kind of dress shoes, but I don't, wouldn't call the shoes that I wear at work, I don't call dress shoes. They're more like casual dress. And I bought a pair of those at that Nordstrom outlet, and I remember they lasted a long time. They were very comfortable, and I think they were very well-priced, I'll put it that way. I won't say the word cheap. I'll say well-priced. So I remember that was a pretty cool outlet, and then I don't really shop outlets too much, but I guess Lulu's outlet's got to be worth going into just to see what it looks like since it sounds like a pretty interesting setup. And if you need something and they have it and it's 15 or $20, sounds like a pretty good deal to me. I believe that's all new stuff. This wouldn't be used. This wouldn't be used. So that ought to be good. So check that out and see if you might find something you can use and save a bunch of money. I'm always into saving a bunch of money. If I can help you save some money, anybody who can save 30 or $40 on something they need to buy clothing-wise, well, that's, that's a tank of gas or, well... That's maybe half a tank of gas, depending on how small your gas tank is. I just filled up today at a fairly fairly busy station down in the Sacramento area, and I guess the prices were cheap. I noticed prices have come down a little, but it was still three thirty nine I think for unleaded and it was it was crowded. There was like twelve pumps, and they were all pretty much full. I don't go to stations like that except leaving Sacramento north on i five there aren't a lot of gas stations available and this one is next to a grocery store and it's really crowded. So I guess it's sort of like the Safeway discount idea of Sacramento. I think it's next to the Bel Air market, which is related to Rayleigh's. So that's my story for today. Lots of driving yesterday, lots of driving today. Now I'm finally back. I can relax for a little bit and talk with you. That's what I've been looking forward to all afternoon. So, we're moving on to statewide business news, and I'm talking about California's gas tax repeal is now officially headed to a ballot near you. I assume here, I didn't, I'm not reading these things line for line. It looks like the, on Monday it said here somewhere, qualified Monday for the November ballot, a major statewide battle over how to pay for an estimated $67 billion backlog in highway, bridge, and road repairs. Well, if you've been listening to Business Buzz for a while, you know my opinion of billions of dollars of government spending and debt and backlog and deficits. I don't even pay attention to them anymore. The entire U.S. dollar, you have to realize the U.S. dollar has had the privilege for the last 50 years or so of being the world's reserve currency. It has been used in all oil trading around the world since I believe the early 70s. That pretty much puts it in the place of world reserve currency. It was always well respected and it was forced to be used by being used in all petroleum trades. Here's the problem. Most of the industrialized world has moved to the east. There's more people in China than in most of the west. I think you take China and India combined, that's probably 2 billion people. That's like a third almost of the entire world's population. And those countries are, now they are the manufacturing 
industrial superpowers. I'm not sure about India, but I know China is. I think that was planned and designed. I remember when I was young and Kissinger was going to China to open trade talks. And ever since then, we've done nothing but lose manufacturing jobs. The Having the world's reserve currency is a privilege. It means that your paper money is respected and it won't go down the toilet as fast. In the old days, I read a list somewhere. I don't have it in front of me. The British pound was the reserve currency before the U.S. dollar. At one point, the Netherlands... I might be called the the Swedish is called the kroner. I'm not sure what the Netherlands currency is called. Those have all been reserve currencies in the past. I believe the Spanish, if it was a peso, I, I really don't know all this history. But back in the 14, 1500s, Spain was the reserve currency. Then for a while, Portugal was, was the reserve currency. I know that at one point, Spain and Portugal having all those ports and being right there on the ocean, as opposed to like Germany, who's landlocked, they had so many places around the world as colonies that they divided the world. I don't remember who did this. I think the Pope had something to do with it. But they basically just divided the whole world in two and said Spain and Portugal, as as the two biggest bullies on the block, we're going to separate the whole world and we'll take Spain. We'll take the whole world, Spain and Portugal, something like that. It's interesting because Brazil, which is, if you look at a map of South America, Brazil is like, it looks like it's half of the whole continent. It's so big. It speaks Portuguese. Brazilians speak Portuguese, whereas the rest of South America speaks Spanish. And that's part of that Portuguese-Spain division that I think they did back in the 1500s, where they where some pope uh, deemed that they would own the whole continent. I'm sure that's what the idea was. My point is, is that the reserve currency is a privilege that you shouldn't take lightly. Here's the problem. Ever since at least 07 and 08, our so-called financial crisis, which has never really been fixed, no matter what they say, all that we've done is band-aid, put a Band-Aid on things by printing more money. And that money hasn't gone to you and me. It's gone to the big banks. It's gone to the big companies. They've bought their own shares back. It's incredible how the bubbles in housing, real estate, uh, stock market, bonds, these bubbles are created by the money printing that has basically told the world, okay, we're taking the reserve currency and we're turning it into toilet paper currency just like Zimbabwe did with their Zimbabwe dollars. If you've ever seen a, a bill from Zimbabwe, it's like 10 trillion is the denomination of the note. I actually bought a couple of those just for fun. I think I think I bought like 20 trillion Zimbabwe dollars for 50 bucks or something. And that's probably just for the collectability of the actual notes that I bought because it's like funny to see 10 trillion. I've talked to you before about the 19, early 1920s in Germany where the German mark went to zero, basically, and people were carrying a wheelbarrow full of paper money to buy a loaf of bread. That is what happens when paper currency goes to zero. We 
took the privilege, we had the privilege of having the reserve currency of the world for all these years, and we basically threw it down the toilet by sending trillions and trillions of dollars to banks. I won't get into my opinion of these banks. I don't think they're solvent. I think the accounting rules that changed in about 2010 made it to where banks are allowed to say whatever they want to say on their balance sheets. That is why we have thrown away the privilege of being the world's reserve currency. And we've turned our wonderful U.S. dollar into a wonderful piece of toilet paper. I hate to be frank like that, but I'm being frank. Our dollar now is only worth what people believe it's worth and what we can bully and muscle around the world to say it's worth. And the problem is we have probably half of the entire world now starting to trade their oil and petroleum purchases in non-U.S. dollars. That is the beginning of the end of the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. You are holding dollars in every account, you, every digital account you own. It's not paper money sitting at the bank. It's called a fractional reserve system. I believe the banks are only required to have something like 1% of the balances in all those accounts in actual cash, which means that if you and I and all of our friends all of a sudden went to the branch and asked for our money out of our savings accounts, the bank would tell you, no, you can't have it. We don't have that much cash. That's called the fractional reserve system. The problem is the entire economy now is based on a fractional reserve system. That means gold and silver, all the futures accounts. It's all paper. It's not anything real. And it will be the demise of the U.S. economy. I'm not sure when. If I knew when, I'd be the world's richest man at some point because I would know exactly when, but I don't. So I can't tell you that. And I'm not a financial advisor, so don't go out and take all your money out of the bank and buy gold and then blame me when it doesn't go up in value. I'm only sharing this as entertainment and just telling you what I think. You have to, as I've said before, do your own due diligence. I'm not a financial planner. I'm just a CPA. I do income taxes mainly. I do some accounting. And I did want to clarify, last week I mentioned that I don't do audit work. And what I realized is that, that the, the word audit and the definition of audit to a CPA, there's two different types of audits. One is the audit when a, if a client gets audited by the IRS, I do those. I do those. That's part of my main job with doing income tax is helping clients if they have an audit. What I meant by I don't do audit work is the financial statement preparation that CPAs do for publicly traded companies and governments. They're required to have audits done by a CPA. I don't do that type of audit, but I do do IRS audits all the time. In fact, the reason I was out of town is I was at a big IRS audit meeting yesterday all day in Sacramento. I just wanted to let you know that I do do audits for the IRS. I don't leave people high and dry. They, if they want to hire me to do the audit, obviously I'm the right person to do it because I'm the one who prepared the tax return. Even if I didn't prepare your tax return, I can represent, represent you in front of the IRS in an audit situation. So if anything ever is needed like that, let me know. I'm Harold Littlejohn CPA, and I'm on Mangrove Avenue, and you can reach me pretty much any time. Get in touch with me.
We're coming up on that first break. Stay tuned. I'll see you in just a minute. Rock House Dining and Espresso, now featuring Jamming for Jesus, a Christian jam night. The first one is Saturday, June 23rd, 5 to 8 p.m. Rock House is located only two miles past the hardware store in Yankee Hill on Highway 70. Originally built in 1937, Rock House has served as a restaurant, tavern, shower house, barbershop, a gas station, and a cafe. Serving yummy and creative vegetarian offerings as well as a fantastic Reuben and French dip sandwich. Yum! Don't forget the awesome iced coffee and fruit smoothies. Rock House is looking forward to hosting more Christian musicians. Enjoy dinner specials every Saturday night at Rock House Dining and Espresso. That's Rock House Dining and Espresso on Highway 70 in Yankee Hill. received news that Chlorina and Sludge have been captured for impersonating Springwater. Let's now go to our field reporter, Alza Wet. Once again, Bob the Drop saves the world from fake water and... Oh, here's Bob now. Bob, do you have anything to say? Well, Chlorina and Sludge from Tapopolis are the worst. Why would you want wannabe water when you can have the best tasting water delivered right to your door? Anyone can get Mount Shasta Springwater if they call us at 1-800-922-6227. Pure and simple. Naturally the best. Mount Shasta Springwater. David Bowie on KKXX, you're probably heading toward the second segment of Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm glad you have a chance to be with me today. I hope you're having a nice summer afternoon. School's out. Maybe the kids are, well, in the old days, they'd be playing in the street like I used to do. But now they're probably playing online, which is the more modern way of kids. I've I notice I drive through the streets of Chico all the time, every day, numerous trips. I hardly ever see children playing in the street or in their driveway or baseball or basketball. I know they play organized sports, but I just can't believe it. We were out there every day in the summer playing a game of baseball. And, you know, when a car came by, we'd have to stop and move out of the way. We did it every day. I never see that going on. So I got off track talking about the reserve currency because the topic was the gas tax repeal is on the November ballot. Now, I'm not going to get political, so I'll just make this a little mini. I'll make this a mini version of you be the judge like we did last week. I, I, I could go. I can go either way on a lot of these arguments, so. I am reading some, now this is coming from the side that wants the tax increase to stay. It says, those stating we can fund those improvements without the funds generated from California's first, they have to mention that it's the first gas tax increase in 25 years, are either mistaken or are flat out misleading California voters. 
If this misleading repeal is successful in November, more than half of those improvements grind to a halt along with our region's economy and quality of life. Already more than 5,000 state and local transportation projects are underway using money generated from the new taxes and fees, according to the California Transportation Commission. Now, don't forget the people at these commissions uh, make their living using these tax dollars. So, obviously, my point on that is that I'm not saying they're lying. I'm just saying you have to look at the motive, and I mentioned this before also on Business Buzz. Look at the motive of everybody who's talking and just make sure you at least understand the motive before you agree or disagree with anyone. And when I say you be the judge, I've definitely got mixed emotions. Uh, Approved by the legislature and signed into law last year, Senate Bill 1, which went into effect in November, raised the tax on gasoline by 12 cents, the tax on diesel by 20 cents per gallon. It also raised registration fees this year by 25 to 175, depending on the value of the vehicle, and imposed a $100 registration fee for zero emission vehicles. Huh. Well, that's interesting. So I noticed that because I was just at the AAA. I I will say one thing. If you are not a AAA member and you have to go to the DMV, you have my sympathy. I had one DMV thing that came up for me that the AAA told me they couldn't help me with. And going to the DMV these days is the biggest nightmare of any bureaucratic mess. I strongly encourage you can get the minimum AAA towing deal for, I'm not even sure what it is, maybe 99 bucks a year. And when you need 90% of your DMV work, you go in there, there's hardly any lines, and you're usually out within a few minutes. I can't recommend anything more highly than being a AAA member just to avoid the complete disaster that's the local DMV office. And I'm, I'm stating that because I've been through it now. I mean, of course, I've been to the DMV many times in the past, but it was never like that. I mean, you could, in the old days, and I'm saying old days five or ten years ago, I could go to the DMV and I could sit and wait maybe 30, 40 minutes and I'd get up to a window and I'd get my business done. The last time I had to do that, I didn't have an appointment because the appointments are like three weeks out. I went and got a number. They told me at the desk it would probably be three hours So what happens? I come back two hours after I had gotten my little ticket number, like a bakery, you get a number. And lo and behold, I looked up and two minutes prior, my number had been called. So of course I head back up to the line guy who starts the line up and I begged and pleaded with him. It's like, I just missed this by two minutes and I'm three weeks out on my appointment And they told me three hours, and I came back in two hours. And what do you think his reaction was? Yes, you're right. (laughs) It was. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) If if you're not here when you're called, you have to start over. Now, by this time, it was 3 p.m., and they close at 5. So I don't think a three-hour wait would have worked at 3 p.m., Maybe they could use this gas tax toward hiring some new people at the DMV so there's 10 windows instead of 5 or whatever the numbers are. It was the worst 
It's the worst government debacle bureaucracy wait list line I've ever dealt with, and I'll never do it again. I hope. So I'm not, I, you know, I try not to be that opinionated on business buzz. I try to have an open mind, but that's ridiculous to have to wait three hours. But, you know, the thing is the appointments are great, but you go to make an appointment and the earliest one is three weeks away. Not a, not a good system. Moving along, the gas tax, I'm going to just say it sure hurts to pay that much more for gas, but I know we need roads, highways, maintenance. I don't know all the details of all this, but I guarantee if it has to do with state government, any government, but especially, I mean, I probably states probably